Welcome to Four Year Run, The Reset, a podcast at the intersection of running and mental health, brought to you by For The Run with our hosts, Sabrina, Blair, and Sean. Each episode aims to bring fresh perspectives about the role mental health plays in running, along with the personal perspectives from our hosts, along with the occasional guests' take on specific topics. Mental health plays a sneaky big role in our desire to get moving, how we interpret upcoming runs, how we judge recent workouts, and certainly how we view our own abilities compared to those around us. We also want to stress to you all that while we're going to have some fun on this podcast and certainly talk a lot about mental health, we are not medical professionals, and these episodes are certainly not intended to replace therapy or any other medical opinions. We simply hope to provide a bit of a reset at times and and how your mind impacts how the rest of you moves through your miles. So without further ado, thanks for bringing us along for your run and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to For Your Run, colon, The Reset. Okay, so I am joined today by Sabrina. Sabrina was a guest on For Your Run and is a wonderful, insightful friend who has been talking to me about lots of very interesting things in the realms of mental health, running, life, all of that. So this is an appendage, if you will, a four-year run, but we're going to speak to mental health things. We're going to speak to how it impacts your running. Full disclosure, I am certainly not a medical professional, nor is Sabrina, but we are here just to speak to mental health. We're here to speak to how it impacts us, and then hopefully our words will have some landing with you. And as everyone knows, I can talk forever. So Sabrina, Take it away, my friend. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having this space for us to explore some things that I think we all deal with, um, not just as runners, but on a very human level, too. Um, Again, like Sean said, we are not licensed professionals. We're not here to provide any sort of therapy or anything like that. We're just here to explore some things that we think about from time to time as runners and just in connection to our day-to-day lives as well. Um, So just a quick background on me. I am a psychology teacher. um, So I've been teaching for close to 17 years now. And so a lot of these particular topics are things I'm very familiar with, but again, not necessarily in a clinical license sense. So these are just topics that, you know, I teach um, every single year to a group of students, um, many of whom end up wanting to go into the field of psychology, which is really cool. Um, And so we're just here to kind of explore some things. And uh, we've got a good Um, topic for today connected to the idea of belonging. Um, And so, Sean, do you want to talk about maybe where that idea came from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, In running, I think so many of us. um, So I will preface this with Sabrina has done her homework, friends. She has tons of lists. (laughs) As as a teacher. As a teacher. um, (laughs) She has tons and tons of fantastic ideas. And as we were kicking this iteration of four-year run 
the reset off, we were talking about what's kind of a healthy introductory topic of sorts. And as we looked through this wonderful list that you've put together, Sabrina, (laughs) belonging hit me really hard at first because I think whenever I started to dabble in running as an adult again, it was hard to feel like if I was a runner, if I belonged as a runner, um, what did that kind look like? Kind of a like? runner. But yeah, kind of, perfect, kind of a runner. <laughs> the, the early iterations of Sabrina is kind of a runner. Yeah. Kind of a runner. Um, and I think that we all balance that in, in weird ways. Um, I think the most unique thing about running is there's always a goalpost and that goalpost always moves. And I think for me, sometimes it makes me re-question the level of runner I am comparatively to the people around me. Um, You start as a 5k runner, maybe not always you maybe get up to half marathon then maybe someone on IG says something crazy to you like, Oh, but you haven't run a marathon. And then you question yourself. And yeah, those questions don't need to exist. If you're in my opinion, if you're lacing it up, if you're putting in, it it doesn't have to be five, six, seven days a week. In my opinion, if you get out a couple of days a week, a day a week, you show up for yourself, you log some miles, you do something for you. I think you're a runner, but I know that belonging in my world often, my world called my mind often is uh, <laughs> is a tricky thing and it can ebb and flow. So that's how I landed on it. And what is yeah. what is your perspective on all of this? Yeah, I think I think you hit on so many good points that um, we'll we'll try to talk about in connection with, you know, just what we're dealing with day to day, but then specifically with running. And we wanted to kind of tackle this topic too, I think, because it's something that we've probably all felt in different contexts of our running too. Um, You know, one thing we've been looking at was like, if you're doing really well, if you're accomplishing your goals, if you're getting to this point where you really felt good about it, you might feel like you're a part of the community. You're a runner. You're, you've been achieving, you belong. But if things aren't going well, or if you're having an injury, or if you've got a setback of some kind, then maybe that's a little bit harder for you to feel like you're still part of that space. Um, So what we wanted to do today is just sort of introduce this topic of belonging, but from a more like psychological standpoint to just begin with, to kind of give some background and some history, um, and then talk more specifically about how that affects us each personally. And then we eventually want to come back around and hear from all of you wonderful listeners out there um, to see what your experiences are with that too. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, But to kick it off, this idea of belonging... So when I teach about this in my psychology class, we usually look at it from what we would call a humanistic perspective. And in psychology, we tend to look at behavior, the processes of the mind through different perspectives. So we kind of use that word to describe like a lens, like a way of looking at behavior. And so um, there tends to be anywhere from like eight to 10 different perspectives. You may have heard of psychoanalysis and Freud everybody's favorite (laughs) sort of pseudo, I don't know, psychologist. Um, But, you know, I want to give him his credit where it's due as well. (laughs) But um, the humanistic perspective sort of looks at human behavior through a more holistic lens. 
Um, Abraham Maslow is a big name that comes out with humanism. And for him, this sort of gets developed in the 1950s, 1960s. They're taking a look at all these other perspectives that have come before that have viewed human behavior and things that people are struggling with as like problems. So behaviorism, another perspective, looks at this in terms of it's very rote. It's very repetitive. You're doing something because you're seeing somebody else do it. Yeah. Another example, psychoanalysis, that's looking at behavior as though it's all about what happened to you in childhood and tell me about your mother, right? The more traditional right. couch right. <laughs> psychologist. Right. Right. So, so Maslow and the other humanists wanted to look at human behavior as a good thing. And like, what are some of our strengths? What are some of the things that we can emphasize rather than look at all the things that are wrong with us? Um, so one of the, the big theories that Abraham Maslow comes up with is this thing called the hierarchy of needs. It's a very classic pyramid. I'm sure that if you've taken any sort of intro to psych course or AP psych in high school, you would have seen it. Um, mm-hmm. But it has six levels. It starts at the very bottom with your physiological needs, then your safety needs, your love and belongingness needs, your self-esteem needs, and then finally something called self-actualization. And Maslow's argument is that you have to fulfill those lower levels first before you can focus on some of these upper levels. And we're going to focus on that third level of belonging and love today, yeah. um, because that's the one that we kind of feel like really connects to that that need to feel as though we're part of a community. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things about the theory, though, too, is that the, there's a lot of criticism behind the ordering of it. And I think if you look at some of the debates about it now, you know, food and water is obviously important, but right, some right. people really need to feel like they're safe before anything else can happen, or yes. they need to feel good about themselves before they can love someone else. So yep. there is a lot of debate amongst, you know, the different levels here. Um, but I think the belonging and love really fits with how we're going to talk about that in terms of running. Yeah. What else did you what else did you think about that? So I've I've definitely I think in the last few years especially I've, you know, and everybody despite my um through other podcast episodes descriptions of my lack of high school enthusiasm or academic enthusiasm, <laughs> I I I have found myself to be a better learner of things in my older years now. Um, so I did do my homework on this and I read up on all these things and, um, well, you've gotten an A for the day then. Yes. (laughs) Um, but I, I, I definitely, I have found for me recently through talking with my therapist and understanding things a lot better about myself. Um, a thing that I had done, I think through almost all of my twenties was like, I gave up on prioritizing myself for anything. Mm-hmm. I just was like, whatever everyone else is doing to make themselves happy. I'll subscribe to these things. I'll kind of float through life, uh, feeling as though I've fulfilled what everyone else wants. So that will give me fulfillment. Hooray life. I will be good to go. And after 12, 15 years of doing that, the tank really starts to get dry. Um, 
I started feeling like I couldn't do things for myself. I, like I felt bad if I took time for myself. So that self, you know, self love thing was a big mm. gaping hole for me. And, um, that's what running kicked off. And, and that's why I've ended up where we are today to some extent is yeah. because running was realistically the first thing in that entire, in entire chain of events where I said, I have to do something for myself and I have to carve time out. And that was, I'm going to run after work or I'm going to run on a weekend morning. Um, it wasn't about PRs or distances. It was about, I, I really need to carve a piece of time out for myself. And what does that look like? And that's what running was. So mm -hmm. running was really the first step for me of stepping back into some self care, self love things. Um, so it's interesting. You spoke to that a little bit of like, you know, the ordering is often something that's discussed because I mean, mm. from a perspective for myself is kind of, I think the pyramid makes sense, but if one of those things is something that's been, you know, not catered to for, in my case, 15 years, like, that becomes your priority because it was mm -hmm. the big lacking thing. So that was running yeah. for me. It's become a lot of other things for me through learning more about myself, learning how my brain ultimately does try to move me through the world. Um, yeah. So that's where I landed with all this. And yeah. I think it's um, a really, the entire construct of what Maslow put together, I think is really important to how, you know, yeah. we move through this world with runners and following other runners and comparing ourselves and maybe feeling like we're either some days a big part of it and some days not a part at mm -hmm. all of the running community. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, as, as you were talking, it made me think about um, the way that I think context can play a role in, I guess, how you might see the order of the pyramid or how you might see the, the particular need level that you're focused on for that given context. So, yeah. you know, as we kind of referenced earlier, like if you're in the groove and you're hitting your workouts and you're feeling, you know, you're, you're running for the moment and like things have been consistent and great and your body's feeling good, you know, you might not have as strong of a need to belong because you automatically do right yeah. like because you've been hitting yeah. all those things because you've had great conversations with your running friends because you've been to a lot of group runs whatever gets you going with your running you don't have as strong of a need for that because it's been satisfied yeah but two months down the line you get a really bad injury and you're out for six months that need to belong has suddenly become so much stronger perhaps mm -hmm. given that now you can't go meet those people and you can't do those workouts. And so I think, you know, one thing that I try to keep in mind, which is not easy, and <laughs> I'm going to say this, like, it's, oh yeah, no big deal. But like, it's really hard is to try to remember that context because when you're down in the dumps or you have an injury or things just aren't hitting well or something in your life is happening and that's affecting your workouts, it's really, I think, easy to say, wow, this sucks. Or like, I suck yeah. as a runner. Or like, I'm not yeah. being a good runner right now. Um, and it and it's really important to remember how all those things are interconnected. Um, but again, that's not easy to do. That's a very high task. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've actually, it, it, it's so funny how things sometimes fall into place uh, in this situation, us being able to talk about this today. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually spoke to it in one of the episodes of the podcast recently of, I've only realized in the last week, I think that I've been running injured since I ran the Chicago marathon in 2019. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I had a loose knowledge base of how to marathon train, but I didn't uh, pair together that I needed strength training or I needed more stretching, more foam rolling, more yoga, all of those things. And I just kept trying to like fit a square peg into a round hole with, I'll just run more. (laughs) I'll just run more. Well, I'll just run more. And Mm -hmm. Then I was playing whack-a-mole with like, my IT's weird. My calf is weird. My glutes are not great. Now my foot hurts. And I was just altering. Stop it. Right. And eventually I'll hit all of them and they'll all go away and everything will work out. And I've definitely had moments of feeling ill-equipped to be a member of the running community to some extent, especially through 2021. Mm-hmm. I was run streaking, but I was kind of, using the run streak just as something to say, well, I did run today, but I wasn't putting effort into my runs. Um, and only in the last week through thinking about it, or I, I told Sabrina before we pushed the record button today that I think the value of something like this podcast is sometimes words in your head don't have the same weight as words mm-hmm. out into yourself into others ears. And, and so that's our kind of ambitious goal with this is hopefully this can resonate with others. But only once I started talking about some of this aloud, did I realize like, oh my goodness, I basically was phoning it in for two years because I was just not wanting to do other things. Today, I can say I might not run this week, but I'm doing a lot of things that are actually building foundational pieces of my running. And I know that the things I'm doing are going to help me be a better runner, a more consistent runner. And that took, I mean, realistically, that was two years of me saying, I don't need those things. I'm just a runner. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the first time, really, maybe in that entire period of my running, I'm now being comfortable with I can do these things, not run the miles, still consider myself a runner because that's where I want to get to. And I, that wasn't an easy thing for me by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as, as you're saying, you're, you're not, maybe you're not running right now, but still seeing yourself as that. I think that's something on a personal level for me that I struggle with when I am injured or not doing as well. Um, I belong to a couple of different running teams, um, clubs, including the Skokie Sisters. Mm-hmm. Just got to shout them out. Shout out. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, if I, you know, on social media, right, like that's such an influence too. So if I see, if I'm, let's say I'm injured for the moment, and actually I've been dealing with a couple of different injuries over the last few months. Um, fortunately, right now they're okay and I'm, I'm able to hang in there just fine. But, um, you know, when they're really bad and you see one of your teammates or you see a fellow club member, like go out and crush a run and you see that on social media, a photo, whatever it is, 
And you look at that sometimes and you're like, oh, I wish that was me. Or why isn't it me? Instead of stepping back and allowing yourself that space to have your own experience, realistically, that can be really hard too. And that can, I think, make the separation from belonging to that group, whether even though it's just maybe in your mind, it's a very real feeling. And I think that we may not admit that as much because of course, I know you've referenced this in a previous podcast too. Um, You know, we only put like 2% on Instagram, right? Like that's only a very minor part of our experiences and generally the positive ones. And so I have no idea that even though that teammate might've crushed that workout, I have no idea what else is going on for the moment, unless I talk to them personally. Um, And I think that's such a huge part of this because it really can affect everything else that we do. And probably on, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a psych teacher, but on some subconscious level, it probably affects your injury, maybe making it longer, right? There is that whole mind body connection. And so those positive feelings are important to a certain extent. You're a hundred percent right. I mean, I have, I have made the joke. I, um, a super uh, great slash awful trait of mine is just being able to accept negative things. Like if something negative mm-hmm. happens to me, I can be like, of course it did. Cause X, Y, Z, even if X, Y, Z isn't a rational reason, but I was run streaking and I will preface all this with, I know you're run streaking this year. I know that we have other amazing friends out in the world who are run streakers. This is not, a detrimental don't run streak thing. This is a take on what run streaking in that season of running for me was. And I just got to a place where I was like, if I stop run streaking, the people who have been my run streaking cheerleaders that I feel like are propelling me forward in my run streak will not be my cheerleaders anymore. And Mm. to that end, then the stubborn side of my brain that was ignoring the injured bits was just saying, so just run a mile every day for five weeks and see if those things feel better. But you, um, you were never truly then giving your body a little break. Um, and that's where I glowingly refer to my body said, guess what? Now I'll just give you COVID and we'll wipe out all, uh, ambitions of continuing that. So that's my running joke. That's my running joke is my body said, Oh, you don't want to listen to us. Well, then we will subject ourselves. Um, but it it ultimately in a very, anyone getting COVID, I don't want to celebrate in any context period, but it forced my brain to go, okay, we do have to stop and and we're Mm going to stop. And then I got three weeks of doing nothing followed by three or four more weeks of barely doing anything. And that seven week period was really the time. And that's crazy to say, but I I needed really seven weeks for my brain to be like, Oh, we don't have to run just to accommodate something. Let's maybe really think about what I need to do, what I need to fulfill. And that is, feeling good. I I want to come back to running, enjoying running, not just hitting the mile meters and checking the boxes. When I can fully dedicate my legs and my heart and my lungs to miles again, I don't want to be waiting for the little niggle here or the 
foot pain there. I, I want to know, and I'm not saying it's unavoidable. I'll get injured again. We all will get injured again, <laughs> but it yes. won't be the like big systemic ignorance part. It will be, oh, you've probably been ignoring glute work for a little while. So just get back to mm-hmm. those things. And it'll be whack-a-mole to some extent, but not the big wild <laughs> whack-a-mole I was playing previously. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a nice reference point. This is a total a total psych teacher, just a teacher move in general. That's such a great connection, Sean. Let's make a point about, so, but seriously, (laughs) that's such a nice connection to that self-esteem level too in in Maslow's pyramid because that's higher up there. He proposed that to be higher up, you know, after all these other things like food, water, shelter, feeling love. And Again, I think going back to what I said before about the context, like that was that was the most important need for you in that time of yeah. feeling like your running had suffered, like your just body and, and general well-being was suffering. And you had to get beyond that. And in order to do that, it, you needed to bring yourself back to a good place with feeling good about yourself. And yeah. that's, I think, such a huge aspect of just this pyramid in general, just thinking about that, how each of those levels can change in terms of importance as we look through our days. Um, and then I, I wondered if we could touch on the Boston debate. I love the Boston the debate. Boston debate. I love it. <laughs> it. It sounds like it should be like its own like TV show. I or know. Something. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, it gets one TV show every day, every year in April traditionally (laughs) (laughs) exactly yes it is in fact a tv show sabrina (laughs) it gets gets at least one day of coverage a year and we all for the most part all watch it transpire but yes the boston debate (laughs) yeah i think i think this is such an interesting point um within the running community and and i i was thinking about it specifically with this idea of belonging um you know, for for those, I, I'm sure most of us know, but for those of us that that are not aware, um, you know, there's there's a real uh, sort of tricky debate, for lack of a better word, around who and and how you should get to run the Boston Marathon. And of course, as we right. know, traditionally, it's been you have to qualify, and those qualifying times are very tricky for some of us, and you know, probably very easy for some of us too. Right. Um, right. Myself, I will probably qualify when I'm maybe 80. I think yes. it is 75, 80. We, I, I think, think we both are about my uh, time. lovingly putting ourselves in what I will call the Todd bracket <laughs> of, you know, the 2033s, 2044s, maybe is when we beat you. That's right. Yeah. We're going to have a for the run uh, marathon <laughs> Todd team. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so there's, the reason the debate exists, I suppose, is because there are so many people, I am one of them, who was able to run Boston because of raising money for a charity. And yeah. when I ran Boston in 2008, um, I don't think I was necessarily aware of how debatable this this entry was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of only a few years into running marathons at that point, And I was just so happy to be participating. Um, I was just so happy to be in it. And I think ignorantly, I just did not realize the importance of Boston until after. And, you know, it was, it was definitely a perspective shift for me, but it also made me very sad to see so many people saying that it's not the same or 
it doesn't mean the same if you didn't qualify. And for me, that was hard to come around for a while because it really felt that way to me. It felt like, well, do I have to do this again at some point? And do I have to time right. qualify for it to really count? But I ran that same course and exactly. I also did it for a good cause. Yeah. So I don't feel that way anymore, certainly. But I think there is a real discussion of, um, within within that and then pertaining to belonging specifically. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, maybe even in the scope of belonging, like we've, we've talked a little bit about you want your, your body tends to cater to the things that are of the utmost importance in that moment. Um, and I think maybe even, I know in 2008, it was starting to ramp up, but marathoning in general has certainly become a more popular thing still. I mean, let's, we can all give ourselves the pat on the back. We're still in the 1% of people who run them, you know, <laughs> that's right. Um, that's right. But it's become more popular. And as it's become more popular, the big six have gotten a lot harder to ascend into. Like we, we joked with you on your episode that you knocked some of those big ones out of the way before mm-hmm. they became huge, like concert level attractions, like the New York city marathons application pool is lunacy now. And they're never going to let a hundred thousand people into that race. The, the popularity is only going to increase while the number may only subtly increase. So Mm -hmm. I think in the early two thousands, the Boston debate probably isn't as prominent because the demand to run Boston wasn't as prominent. So only now that there are people who are saying, well, why does the charity runner get my spot? Well, it's not your spot. It's a spot that, in my opinion, is still incredibly well-earned because, I mean, there's a whole other debate about compassion and caring and all that stuff, I think, to be had, and everyone has their own stances on that. But investing and putting yourself out there and asking people to donate and being creative with how you get people to donate and then hitting that goal. That's a check mark. If you can do Mm -hmm. those things. When I ran Chicago, the only marathon I've run so far, I ran it for charity, but I made that decision because I wanted to run for charity. I didn't say, I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. I went to Chicago and said, Oh my God, this city is alive when runners are filling the streets and getting ready to run a marathon. It's yeah, infectious. It's like such a holiday weekend. It, oh, it, it is. And that certainly overwhelmed me and expanded my interest in wanting to try and accomplish that thing for myself. But I didn't then say, I want to submit myself to the lottery. I said, why did I start running? Like, why did I come back to running? Some of it was for myself, but some of it was for, I had had not so far off from that. My grandmother had passed away and she had arthritis and she was someone that lost the ability to walk and especially run at a very early age. And I just thought to myself, what's my motivation when I don't have my own motivation, what's going to be my motivation. And it's that I'm going to think about my grandmother who had horrible arthritis and that's going to be my thing. That's going to get me out the door. Some of those colder mornings that I don't want to do it. And my grandfather had passed away from cancer at a very young age. He was just about to retire. 
And I, so I was running for my grandmother, but I wanted to run for something larger for my grandfather. So I wanted to run for charity. I made that decision. Um, asking for money is not easy, right? <laughs> it is not. No, uh, it, there's, <laughs> it's, it's its own job. <laughs> it, and, and it, and it takes arguably a semi-equal level of dedication to put yourself mm-hmm. out there to do that. Um, so yeah, the Boston debate is, will only get larger, certainly as the demand to be there, I think increases, but I, I, I don't think that you should diminish the effort. And like I told you, when we talked to you on your episode of the core podcast, the the amount of money London and Boston especially take for fundraising is nothing to nod your head at. It intimidates the crap out of me. Like when I see what Boston says your fundraising requirement is, yeah. If, if you want to look <laughs> oh, at that and say those people don't deserve to be there, consider what they've done. I mean, mm-hmm. they've done a lot. You did a lot. I, I, it was that's a lot. equal. Yeah. That's equal well, ground for me. That sure. And I and I think this is one of those both and situations. Yeah. None of this is being said to diminish anybody's actual qualification to Boston. Sure. I envy that. I admire that. (laughs) I I dream that someday my running could get there. Right. And I am very proud that I am able to do some of these marathons, especially Boston, by having done the fundraising that I've done. Mm -hmm. And I think just to think back to this connection to belonging, I think that some people would not feel like they belong in the running community if they yeah. didn't have the charity running option. Yeah. And the, 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 the most amazing thing about that, I think, is that that can be so personal. You can find a charity to run for, for almost anything you could come up with. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's um, a medical issue of some sort, whether that's for animals, whether that's for, um, like education, um, there's a huge um, yeah. education group called the Golden Apple Foundation that a lot of people run for in Chicago that I know you've so graciously supported with for the run too. I'll continue to. You're <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> and um, I just think you 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 can have both. It's both and and you know if you it, it, there obviously comes a point where you maybe don't feel the entry to either of those places, but knowing that the running community is so vast and so varied, and there are just so many different types of runners. Yeah. Um, if you run, you're a runner yeah. and you belong. Yeah. And the, all the things that, you know, we've talked about today, just in terms of context and our, our own self-esteem levels, you know, all of it comes back to you as a person and what you most feel like you need to get out of that. And specifically with the running community and whatever anybody else is getting out of it, or for whatever reason, somebody is doing it, that's their story too. And it, again, it's hard to see that sometimes when we're clouded by things like injury or just other big life issues, but ultimately your running is personal and for whatever reason you're doing it, just happy to be in the community with you all. <laughs> I so wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, 
I think you you took a whole lot of words right out of my mouth in the sense that ah, um, sorry about that. I'll find more. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> um, it, it, you, you speak to it really well. Um, it's and I you know I can think of so many friends that you and I both know on IG have met in person, get to run with and run clubs and all of those things. It's, it's don't make it about, it's easy to make it about what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. It's important to give yourself the affordance to say, I need to run for myself. Um, I should celebrate every single step and it's i get it it's incredibly difficult to sometimes give yourself that grace and to sometimes even think that broadly um that you know how long is my running life i mean hypothetically we all don't know but in the moment if you get out there, whether it's a treadmill, that's a whole nother discussion for another episode, treadmills <laughs> and outdoors. But if you are taking literal steps and metaphorical steps to be a better version of yourself, that is all in itself worth celebrating. And the fact that you show up to do those things underscores that you belong. And I, that's, mm-hmm. my, that's my piece. So... I feel like that needs to be our official the reset <laughs> motto. If you run, you're a runner, you belong. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I think more than anything here, as we wrap up everybody, as Sabrina alluded to in the initial launching of this episode, one of the best things I think even in just you and I talking is the way each person interprets questions, interprets direction, interprets thought. It's all going to land differently for everybody. And Mm -hmm. my interpretation is not ultimately your interpretation is not ultimately whoever is out there on the other end of these earbuds through my microphone, through your microphone, talking about this. We want to hear from you. We, the mental health, the way you perceive mental anything in your running belongingness, all of these other things, it's going to be relative to your experiences, Mm -hmm. to your life, to what you have going on. If you have perspectives, if you have questions, legitimately put a question out there on the post that's going to talk about this episode, send us a DM. Like we are more than happy to check out what questions, what thoughts you all have and try Mm -hmm. to provide our perspective. As I've said through this episode, sometimes words just flowing out into the spaces around us can be the best things in the world. And that's why we're doing this. Absolutely. I feel like this would be the point in in the show at at some later date, maybe we'll say, and now we'll turn it over to our callers. Caller number one, (laughs) What, what are your thoughts? But right. but in all seriousness, I I want to just echo that too, Sean, because I think, like you said, everything is so personal here, and ultimately, we can see smiling faces, we can see happy pictures, but yeah. we always have to remember that we don't know what people are going through, right. and you know we don't 
necessarily need you to call in and tell us your personal life stories. Although I'm sure we'd love to hear those too. Of course we do that. You guys do that on the, on the core version of the podcast as well, but definitely we want to hear your thoughts about this since this is brand new. You know, we want to hear some things that you might be interested in hearing about. And we are looking forward to answering some questions too on the next episode. That would be something we'd love to hear from you about too. So please, please, please let us know. And I just want to say, Thank you to Sean for entertaining this idea. And, you know, this was something we had talked about probably almost like two months ago now. Mm -hmm. And it's just been fun to sort of watch it develop and talk through it and to let, you know, have me uh, combine some two of my loves teaching and and, uh, just running. So I really appreciate that, too. Well, thank you for your kind words. And I will ball them up mildly reject them throw them back at you no i accept them Um, but i um you know uh, mental health has only become a more important part of my life as i've gotten through my 30s and it only continues to expand and my comfort with it and my understanding of it only continue to expand and you um through numerous discussions were someone that was willing to help illuminate more of these things and i am totally appreciative of your willingness to put together awesome plans awesome ideas come on have a chat about them and hopefully have plenty more chats as well so Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, hopefully this has been in some way a healthy little reset for all of you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, friend. If you run, if you run, you're a runner. That's right. You belong. All right. Till next time.